0: Football is back and right now, Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day. And with Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, numbers of goals and more. To create your own personalized bet and if you can't watch all the games live with bet365's match live feature you can follow every moment through live graphics and text bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company the app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store over 18s only please gamble responsibly Welcome to the latest edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey, The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent, and I hope this finds you safe and well, and not too down. Uh, it is fewer than 24 hours since City lost 4-0 at Arsenal, and as stubborn as a football pundit, we're here once again to bring you a pint-sized podcast, this time with NCFC Stats Guru, also known as NCFC Numbers on Twitter. Uh, to us, he's Steve Sanders. Steve Sanders. Hello, Michael. And uh, the completion of back-to-back Along Come Norwich visitors, fresh from BT Sports' Norwich Wall. What a place that would have been yesterday. Tom Parsley. Hello, Michael. Great to have you both in. We're going to sling straight in with the snap verdicts, if I may, gentlemen. Uh, Norwich's uh, 4-0 defeat at Arsenal. Uh, Sorry to keep reminding you of that. You've got about 30 seconds to let it all out. Tom, would you like to go first?
1: I'd love to. I think the, I was really, really annoyed, really, really angry um, and immediately started thinking about um, how much credit and good faith has been built up by this coaching team um, from our fantastic uh, season that we had last year uh, and how many of the same tactical mistakes are are there. Whilst also balancing that with the fact that if you you throw in two goals, um, to be honest, Pep Jose, you name it—they're all going to struggle um, if you're going to give two goals away from home at Arsenal.
0: Ain't that right, Steve? Your go.
2: Yeah, nail on the head, really. Um, I, I thought Arsenal uh, looked quite sharp. Probably the best opponents that we faced since the beginning of um, uh, since the, the, the restart. Um, uh, they were good in the first half, and um, we struggled to, to adapt to their wide wing backs, uh, Tierney and Bayerin, um, because we were defending quite narrow. Um, obviously 2-0 down at half-time and then switched the system to kind of match theirs and that worked for a time although um, Arsenal obviously ended up fairly comfortable winners um, but as, as Tom says really if, if you gift teams like Arsenal and like uh, strikers like Aubameyang goals as we did um, with the first and the third then you're going to get nothing coming away from uh, the, the Emirates so it's, it's probably... Possibly our best league performance since um, the restart, but um, a 4-0 defeat. We're outclassed, really.
0: Ah. Now, you see, this was a curious thing. Like reflecting on it, I was I was lucky enough to be to be lucky enough uh, to be at the Emirates uh, yesterday, and um, th- it is this curious balance. Which again, I, pr- I probably had the reverse of um, after the United game, where I was kind of struggling to get that enthused by it because it was still a defeat. United had you know, huge amounts in the tank, I felt, and, and kind of, although they threw out their last FA Cup team into the game, they, they also kind of didn't have to start with any of their big guns, and, and you know, Norwich played really well, it was just that I couldn't find myself getting too excited about it, I suppose, and I, I guess I kind of feel the, the, the converse reaction this time, that, you know, I, I thought, tactically, there wasn't... Norwich had a good platform in the game for the first 20 minutes. Although they were conceding obviously decent opportunities to Arsenal who who were who were making good inroads down the flanks. I think Norwich were kind of having to give them that kind of room because they didn't want Arsenal to have too many bodies sort of piling it, it sort of down the channels. And, and Norwich had that extra man in midfield, which they were hoping would cover the gaps. And you had someone like Emi Buendia out on the on the right who was trying to sort of push forward on I still can't say it Uh, but also then having to sort of track back behind him for Tierney uh, whilst Max Ahrens was kind of getting dragged in quite centrally by Aubameyang who was sort of clinging in Um, it was a really interesting um, sort of uh, matchup in terms of Arsenal's 3-4-3 and and Norwich trying to play this 4-5-1 again and Todd actually on the left was playing a lot a lot more tucked in but the fact that Norwich then, then sort of matched Arsenal's formation from the, pretty much from, from um, the second, from halftime onwards. Again, they, it was their best spell of, of the game. And um, I thought it was much more down to the psychology of the afternoon, really, that, that did damage to Norwich. And um, I felt really sorry for, for Tim Krull because he, he has been so good this season. And uh, I think we all remember Dan James chasing him down for Swansea uh, at Carrow Road, the season Norwich went up. So I I wouldn't be surprised if people look at how Norwich play and think, well, look, if you really get close in on, on Tim, uh, Tim cruel, then you can put him under some pressure, but I'm sure about five seconds afterwards, uh, Tim himself was just wishing he'd he'd lugged it forward about half a second earlier. Tom.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's interesting that you um, that you pick up on 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 the tactics, having actually been there. Um, I mean, firstly, yeah, I, I completely echo what you're saying about Tim. If anyone's owned earned, earned a Rick, then it's, it's him. He, he he knows himself. He, he's let let the team down there, and he has been the reason that we haven't lost by five or six in a lot of games this season. So he's Player of the Season one, two, three, four, five, and six for me, um, and one of the only players who genuinely has put out a product on the pitch that they can they would ever want in any highlight reel of their career. You know, some of his saves and some of his work this year has been as good as anything in his career. don't think there's many other Norwich players who could say that. Um, but moving on to your point about the tactics it's very interesting because you, you've got a completely opposite opinion of the tactics of the first half to me. Um, and I was obviously, <laughs> what, what, I was watching on a, on a BT sport um, feed. Um, so I can only see what the director wants me to see, which is mostly, um, focusing in on Mikel Arteta while they're talking about him when actual changes of possession were taking place and by the time they'd finished the close-up, a different team was ha- had the ball. It was bizarre, but anyway, that's a different <clears throat> different issue for another time. <laughs> on on the tactics, um, Chris Sutton, who everyone knows is an incredible tactical genius, which is why he's got so, so much coaching success to his name, he pointed <laughs> out within a few minutes that um, the shape was completely wrong for Norwich and that they were being completely overrun and, and Toddy and e- Emmy don't have it in their locker to constantly track back. And really, we should have been 2-0 down early doors. There were two headers straight at Krul, um that really should have been put either side of him and we'd have been 2-0 down and we would have been 2-0 down purely because of failing to match up and shape up. So Farker made the right tactical. For, for me, I wasn't there. You, you, you can see things, you know, you could see the, the map of the, the, the pitch and you see the whole picture, but... You know, from from what I was seeing, there were constant pockets of space in either of the the kind of corners of the, the fullback areas because we we didn't change the shape soon enough. Um, so for me, he made that tactical change about thirty five minutes after Chris Sutton spotted it, and we looked a lot more solid at the start of the second half. Um, but going back to what, what I said, you know, in my snap verdict, the, the 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 if you give give a goal goal away that cheaply and then double down on it by giving away a second goal. I mean, is that now four we did within the first 10 minutes of the restart? Uh, a well, question. I, it's it's, I a particu- it's a particular <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a
0: great shout. As in as in after the uh, the fe- after the second the, the second goal after the first goal. Sorry,
1: yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So I, I no, I rem- I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in. i second half. So basically, uh um back to Sheffield United. Going back to the games last season. This is this is that this is the thing. Um, Last season was incredible. We had a fantastic time. They deserve the opportunity to go again next next season. It would it would be premature to talk about making changes in, in that department. Perhaps there will be a change because there'll be an offer in Germany or what have you. But to the tactical issues and some of the mentality issues, they've they've been there for three years. And, and that is the one thing that I just don't think so far this, this coaching team have got an answer to. We're dreadful at set pieces. We're very, very poor after half-time. Uh, and we quite often are very, very slow to change shape or to adapt to what's, what a team has, has, has thrown at us when they work us out. And unfortunately, I, I don't think that they're, they're, I don't think, again, talking about the product that's been put on the pitch, I, I don't think that we've been shown that this coaching team have learned at all how to adjust to that in either of the two leagues they've been in charge.
2: Just a quick one on the. Uh, cause Tom's Tom's point has uh, just uh, kind of made me have a quick look at the, the, our record in the 10 minutes after half time this season. And we've scored twice um, in what were probably our two best wins against City to go 3 1 up and to take the lead against Everton away. Um, in terms of concessions, it looks fairly horrendous. Um, Grealish's goal for us to go 3 0 down at home to Villa. Um, Gray scoring for Watford to put us 2-0 down Stephens and Baldock both scoring at Carrow Road to turn the game around for Sheffield United then you've got Jimenez um, for Wolves to put us 3-0 down Rashford and Marshall scoring for United to put us 3-0 down and then all the goals that we've had um, since the, the restart so that has been a huge point of weakness and I, 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 on this occasion obviously we, we, we made the changes at half-time what, what I'd be interested to know, um, because we're kind of on, on the manager and, and, and on the way it's going, is just has, has Farker lost faith in his plan A or, or does, he not, does he now not know what that is? Because I think we were all clear last season who the front four were. Um, we knew who was going to play. But now it's, it's, it's a question for me the next game, does Puki play? Does Buendia start? You know the, it, it, We really don't know now what the best team is. And I wonder if that's become a real problem for Farker, that he's just not certain how he wants us to line up from game to game.
1: I well, think... on on that point, Steve, um, I don't understand. Someone put, uh, someone tweeted at halftime yesterday. Uh, Watch the absolute bants of uh, Rupp coming out, even though he's booked, an Emmy uh, not not coming out for the second half. And I and I gave a little ch- uh, chortle. And then what happened? I mean. What are you doing? You might not be comfortable with Plan A or whatever. Emi Buendia is the best player we've got. He's, he's one of the best players we've ever had in the Premier League, certainly top five or six in terms of his ability. Yes, he sulks and sits on the floor. Yes, he's not that good at tracking back all the time. Sometimes he does it very, very well. But the ability he has got in a game like a team against, when you're playing against someone like Arsenal, uh, Rupp is, is trying very, very hard. It's far too early to, to write him off. And, and yes, it's, he's a bit of a figure of fun because he's had such an atrocious start to his Norwich career and he looks so out of place and like a competition winner. But, you know, he might be, he may be superb next year in the championship and, you know, it's way too early to write him off. He's just had a tough start. But he, you, he's coming back out and you're leaving Emmy out. It's, it's, it's just beggars belief, decision making like that. And Dermich, I don't know if he's got news of Farka or what's going on, but he, I, I just, I would rather have an out of shape, out of uh, bad morale, badly motivated, um, whatever you want about whatever he's cross with Puky about. I'll have that Puky than Dermich on his best day. He just simply isn't up to, up to the same standard as Puky, you know. And again, he seems to be trying quite hard. Although again, he he's, the body language was bad last night. What did you think about that, actually, Michael? But being there from from my feed last night was the first game. Not surprisingly, don't blame him for it. But last night was the first time that even after 1-0, there seemed to be quite a number of people giving up on, on running back and quite a number of people with their heads down and their shoulders slumped.
0: I think it was very similar to Southampton in that, that their heads dropped significantly, especially after the first goal, which again, I think probably because of what it, how it had happened. I mean, when you look at that team, I can guarantee everyone in that team would go, oh, at least we've got a goalkeeper who's been in great form this year. And then he goes and does that, you're like, all right you've just literally taken the floor from underneath us and they then played the next 20 minutes up until half time as if the floor had just disappeared underneath them um i, I so i, I think I, I think i think that probably all comes back to the southampton game yeah, i think it has to where they mm. you know they they pinned a lot on it um this was going to be the start of doing something special. We're as fit as we can possibly be. We're fitter than everyone else. We're confident in what we're going to do. We know what we've got to do. Away we go. And then exactly the same thing happened that had been happening anyway, only it got even worse. And I think that, um, you know, yeah, the United game, they played all right. And as I said, I, I personally think there are caveats there and ultimately the pressure's off. So what is it? You know, I think in the Premier League, there is clearly this. And again, the, the Arsenal game will have, will have factored into that because it, again i i I appreciate they they were giving away chances but i, I didn 't think they were they were so bad in those early stages i mean clearly because they don 't just want to sit in and they maybe they should it 's a different argument, but they don 't want to do that so um, for it then to all fall down around their ears is uh, i think it 's psychologically so painful and I think that that 's probably the, the issue for Daniel is that his he probably do, he doesn 't want to change his philosophy um, it's it he hasn't got a good enough side to to do what he wants to do at this level and, and I, I would probably argue that for for too many months he tried to do it at teams that were sort of eighth down in the in the table and they were still too good for, for Norwich to do it up against them and i don't know if the man city mm. game convinced everyone that well if we just do what we do really well we'll beat them um it just hasn't worked like that, and they, they I, I, maybe they got ahead of themselves, and now you'd probably get people telling you, "Well, we're probably just not good enough." So uh, may, maybe they just lost their way in terms of of what they what they were capable of earlier in the season, because it's it is quite stuck. What happened after that Manchester City game? Um, I, th- I think I think this the city game is the blueprint for how they should have played,
2: which is kind of sitting deeper and trying to hit teams on the break uh, and and they played that way against united as well um to to go back to tom 's question um, about heads dropping i mean uh, personally the the first goals and the, the first goal and the third goal you almost can 't legislate for they're just horrendous errors um, the, the second goal for me i mean I know they were kind of purring about it on b t sport but I found that more worrying in a way because there is absolutely no way that Xhaka should be in that position to shoot the wrong side of our midfield. I mean, um, it, was, it was Tribal who looked like he was tracking him, but um, Xhaka was the wrong side of him. Now, that should not happen. And I, I, I don't think it would have happened, actually, had, had Teti been playing, because I think Teti would have tracked that run. Uh, and ultimately, uh, I think Teti playing at centre-back at the moment is hurting us more in midfield than it is in defence, because there's simply nobody... That can do the job that he does. Tribal for me, I loved him in the championship. Great signing for us. I think he's. I think he's found it difficult at this level. Um, and you know, we play three centre midfielders to stop that exact se- scenario from happening,
0: and then it happens. And as soon as we're two down, it's the game really. I mean, my. Um, um, i I'll just, I'll just add, Tom. My, my football career was was shocking. You know, like Sunday League job. I, I, but I think my my defensive abilities were probably quite similar to Emmy's in that second goal, in that he Max was obviously trying to pick someone but didn't get close enough. Um, mm-hmm. I think Ben Godfrey was, was sort of ended up facing Jacka uh, but wasn't close enough. And Emmy, you can just watch; is sort of just running and following the ball behind everyone, <laughs> just so he's got a really yeah. good view. And that's the kind of defending I used to do.
1: Uh, I love this team. I love these players. So many of them, not, not a couple of ones that that, that I mentioned earlier, that, <laughs> but, I would, I would, but I'd love to, I'd love to come to love them because, you know, they've got contracts. So, you know, they are like, me, I mean, they're, they're unlikely to be taken off our hands. They're likely to be with us next year. And, 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 and I like, uh, I like underdog stories and I like being little Norwich. And I, and I, you know, I adore this squad of players. I love the characters of them. And, um, I just feel that they have been hard done by by how uh, in how bad the recruitment has been. Now you know, Zoe's phenomenal, Stuart's phenomenal. Huge amount of respect for Ben from a commercial point of view. Um, the the recruitment hasn't worked this season, and I I I firmly believe that the the massive difference is not it, it is actually in what Farker had uh, to use. I don't think that he is advanced enough in his career to be able to adapt his philosophy to not having the right tools for the job at this level. Um, And I don't think that's his fault. And I don't think that it's, I don't even think he's been that stubborn. He's actually shown far more fluidity in this after the restart. I think he's done it wrong, but I admire the fact that he is taking off Pookie and Emmy. I wouldn't have done it, but I I give him kudos first saying, look, I'm so willing to throw Plan A out the window, like uh, uh, whoever it was when we took Puki and, and Campwell uh, off, and all of a sudden that's what was that, 17 goals just gone off the pitch. <laughs> um, <so laughs> like I, I admire the fact that he's ballsy in trying to do that, but what what we needed was just a bit more pragmatism. Once it got to October, November time and it became very clear that we've not got enough at this level. And once it got to February time uh, and, you know, January didn't work in terms of what we've brought in to help us. We, I almost feel he he's doubled down too much on, no, we're going to play this way and we, we need the other team to have an off day. We need Raheem Sterling to miss a sitter. We need um, uh, Aguero to hit the bar. You know those two big chances earlier on in that Man City performance, which you know all of a sudden it's it's we're two one down rather than one one, and it's a completely different game. And um, you know I I think that we need too much to go our way for this team of kind of punch above their waiters to to get what to get what they would they would like, and it it really is as simple as the recruitment to me. I don't think Fark has got enough at this stage of his career to pull off a miracle. With players who are who who haven't quite got the quality, I firmly believe that seven or eight of our squad belong in the Premier League regularly, but that they are not necessarily going to be first name on the team sheet. Players, you know, the younger ones maybe they will be in two or three years. At this stage, um, and therefore they need to have a bit of a bit more quality brought in around them. And I know that it's incredibly difficult. Weber and Zoe, they are. They are you know, playing in a, in a market where they they haven't got as much power and they're having to be super creative. Almost all of them didn't come off this, this season. And you you give them the credit, again, because of what they've done in the previous few windows. You give them the credit that this summer and, and the following January I completely back us to be incredibly competitive because of some smart moves, picking up some money for the right ones, letting the right youngsters go, keeping the right youngsters. They were talking on BT Sport about... Um, they threw Campwell in with, um, with Aarons and Godfrey as the ones most likely to, to be moved on. I personally, if there's any way at all, depending obviously his feelings on it, I would give Campwell the armband next year, and I would build around him in a similar way to everything going through Madison. I think that after, since the restart and as the season's gone on, I, I think we pin our hopes to him and we turn him into the next twenty five million, thirty million pound player. I think he's got such an incredibly high ceiling and he's still developing and getting better before our eyes. I, I would basically say to him, look, you're gonna start every game you're fit for next year. We want everything to go through you. Cash in on a couple of the lads that actually maybe we can we can find cheap ish replacements to be nearly as good as at the back. And 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 whereas in that creative, we've seen it with Madison, we've seen it with Emmy. When you've got someone that good, you, they are hard to replace. So so for me, it would be do everything you can to keep Campwell and, and maybe cash in on a couple of the lads who I think have earned, at the back, they have earned to go to a bigger club.
0: It's a really interesting one with Todd because, as I think I said after the game, he he's the one now who looks like he's really growing into where he's playing, which mm. uh, completely under, underpins your point there, Tom. It probably also makes him... Um, more likely to leave <laughs> so we will, we will see let me just uh, say I, I did a piece on July the 1st which was uh, the point at which uh, Danel Sanani Sam McCullum, and Melvin City became proper Norwich City players you can argue over what proper means because some people did that on Twitter but that's fine um, so you can read all that um, and the plan for those guys because they haven't played uh, a match for four months um, and that's on the Athletic uh, feed and uh, you can read all that for free now until the end of the Premier League season that's right, The Athletic is free for 30 days right now. Simply go to theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod to sign up. Uh, right, let's have a brief interlude with our favourite Scottish journalist of a Norwich persuasion. Uh, this time around, it's the galling state of the club that won the FA Cup just seven years ago. Q Stu.
3: Hello and welcome back to the Hodge Spot. Today I'm going to talk about the plight of Wigan Athletic and... I've got a very good friend who works at Wigan Athletic. The other regulars in the podcast, Ben and Steve, also know uh, this guy really well. And I just think it's absolutely abominable that a club in the Championship of English Football, pandemic or no pandemic, is in this situation. There's been changes of ownership. I'm not entirely sure what's going on, but for a club at that level of the game to be suffering So gravely financially, I think just goes to show how the all-consuming financial largesse of the Premier League is now having such a detrimental effect further down the pyramid. We've already seen Berry go to the wall and now it looks like Wigan are in dire financial straits. Bolton Wanderers have also been in trouble at a point in the past I'm just sick of the Premier League to be honest and for all of those people that say, oh why did Norwich not spend this and spend that and all of that last summer? This is the reason why. Okay, we might not be in quite as dire financial straits as those clubs if we we had spent a bit of money coming up here. But the point is, we are a self-running, self-sustaining football club and that is to be valued, that is to be cherished and I'm thankful for the ownership that we have. And my heart goes out to everyone associated with Wigan Athletic Football Club and I hope the situation gets remedied as soon as possible.
0: Harry's sponsors On The Ball, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel and travel blade cover. That's worth saying at this point, I have got one of these packs and it is fantastic. I, I do also have a beard, as you'll know, but I do like to trim around it. And I have to say, my neck has never felt so good. As a listener of On The Ball, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash on the ball right now. That's h-a-r-r-y-s dot com forward slash on the ball. Right, Tom, Steve, uh, what is the question you now want answering? And p- preferably from a football perspective. Tom?
1: <laughs> wow. Um, Steve, you go first. Um, I mean,
2: one thing we haven't spoken about yet, which I was going to make a point of, is, is where, where are we going to get the goals from? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did a little bit of research into it, uh, and sorry to depress everyone, but Premier League record, we've not scored in four. We've got one goal in our last eight. We haven't scored in the first half of a game in nine. Uh, last open play goal from a midfielder or a striker was on New Year's Day. And uh, oh, last goal away from home, from open play from anyone, was uh, before Christmas. Um, so, I mean, we've talked about the way we can't defend, but who would have thought it? It's, it's the attacking area that's really not stacking up. And I think the question is, who plays in those areas on Saturday? I don't know.
0: I hope <laughs> Farber does. <laughs> I mean, certainly with Adam that there was a little bit of liveliness when he first came yes. on but it's so difficult yeah. it's so different coming on in a game and making an impact compared to starting it in a way you go and by the way I think that's been the misnomer for most of the season people looking at Norwich defensively but actually they haven't scored the goals um, you know no. the wins have come when they've managed to get a two goal lead <laughs> so I think um, it's that that's been a, probably the bigger issue Tom?
1: My, my question would be what is going wrong in the mental department of the team um, and uh why yeah i would like to i'd like to know what questions are being asked of the coaching team with regards to their their improving the mental fortitude of the players we're so flaky just after a goal we're so flaky just after half time um i i, I really can't help it because it's not like a couple of games you know steve just reeled off a bunch of the stats you know this is it's a uh, it's a pandemic. <laughs> you know, it, is a, it isn't. It's gone Are we through to the laugh squad. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Too right. Uh, it's uh, give me hate on Twitter. I can take it. You, you just don't. You, I just don't feel that this team um, have got anything like the fortitude this year that they had last year. So last year we would go and go and go and go and wear teams down, and we'd get we'd get point after point. You know, in the, in the last little bits of games. The problem is this season. Is we don't even get we're not even in games in the last fifteen minutes to have that kind of additional fitness like the additional fitness and the additional patience and belief in our model is a complete um, irrelevance if you're you're two three goals down by that point because Premier League teams are way better at sitting on the lead than, than any Championship team is so for me I want to know what what are we going to do in this? I mean this season is gone I mean I, this season is done um, you know thank goodness West Ham won. And hopefully some of the other teams can actually finally pick up some points so that we can actually get down Um, and we can start focusing on next year. I want to know what, what the plan is to make our team mentally uh, stronger uh, because we, we, they're going to have to look into that from a, from a sports science point of view, because it, we, everyone knows that when you've been losing for a long time that is a difficult you know we hear it all the time about teams that go down we've got to get out of the habit of losing games we've, we've got you know we need to become winners again quickly and, and start putting points on the board from from September whenever the season starts so w- what is the club going to do who are they going to bring in how are they going to start to get these players positively get that positive mental attitude going again I mean obviously bringing in some new players which we understand you know there's, there's a few more on the horizon as well that will help because there's a bit of squad churn, but come on, what, what are we going to do to actually try and fix that problem? Because it we can't just hope that it goes away.
0: It's a, it's a great point. And um, I'm sure someone will answer that <laughs> at some point. Um, and it, it's, I suppose that's probably the most disappointing thing about this season is that it's ended up feeling like any other season Norwich have been relegated. And I think when we went into it, there was a hope that it would be a little bit different, but, you know, there are people who would talk about the the philosophy at the club at the moment. I mean I, I suppose if you're trying to if you if you've gone up and you've played football the way you hoped it would it would be and you've kind of realized that it's very unlikely Norwich are going to get the players to be able to play like that in the Premier League, what do you do about that when it comes round to the next time? If it comes round to the next it's, time. If it comes round to balance, preparing it, for the Michael? next time. It's a philosophical it's balance, argument.
1: Because you've got, you know, Hughton was far too pragmatic, and even though we were, we actually were relatively safe with him um, at the end of the first season of his in charge. It, it, there was unrest in the stands because, um, you know, as Alan Shearer said, what do they, you know, what do they expect down there? Well, we, we actually, we, we're kind of quite used to trying to have a go at teams and going down. <laughs> that's what we expect. We're used to that. So actually, hmm. if you're going to keep us up, you have to try, you have to keep us up and actually give us some entertainment as well. Um, and uh, I think that it's, again, that, that's what I'm saying about Farker and where he is in his career. He simply hasn't been a first team manager for long enough to have that now to be able to um, still make it look like a Farker uh, side and Farker ball is lovely. And I'd much rather us try and stay up playing this way. Of course I would, but there just needs to be right for the first 30 minutes of this game. You're not going to play. We're going to play like Pulis. We're going to get a foothold in the game. And then we're going to play Farker ball from 30 to 45. Is that such a, is that such a compromise? Is that such a, um is that so much to kind of ask of the players to to have a couple of different ways of playing through the game and um my my personal thing you were saying about we all hope to be different this side this time my fear is that Farker ends up being sacked in November December time because we're we're a few too many points drift of the 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 playoffs and it gets nasty because it does get nasty quickly at Road. and, and my worry is that he goes in the same kind of horrible circumstances that most most managers do when, when things have been going wrong for too long. Um, and then that will leave a really horrible taste in the mouth of this whole era. And what I hope is that actually he maybe gets an opportunity in Germany this summer or, or somewhere else. Um, at a similar sized club that is second tier, but going to spend a lot of money going to the first tier or a, a, a lower mid table tier in one of the continental leagues where they, they're looking to kind of kick on or, or play slightly better football because they've been playing too pragmatic football. And he gets the opportunity to say, you know, really sorry, it didn't work out in the premier league, but wow, didn't we have an amazing ride? Um, and, and he will get leave on so much more of a high. My fear is that I don't want him to go the way of the Alex Neal and, the, the, other, the other guys who we've had great success with um, and then we've, we've had a disappointment with. And if he's not able to hit the ground running and get things going in August, September, October, that, that, is, that is my fear because then we end up looking back on this as just yet another up and down. Oh, that wasn't very good. Do you see what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I want it to end nicely because I feel Farker has earned it to end nicely. But it's, it's unlikely to end nicely if he comes back next year and Weber and Zoe don't absolutely nail this summer's recruitment um Steve if I may a silver lining
0: can you think of one
2: yeah I mean I I, I do think um Ida and Hernandez both looked bright when they came on and and made the cases for for starts on Saturday it'd be interesting to see if they do start that's maybe going part way to answering the question that I posed before I don't know um but (laughs) I've seen a lot of people suggesting Ida and actually I'm not normally that kind of knee-jerk person but I, I do think he's earned it and there's no one better at the moment um and also it's july which means that this season will be over by uh, in, a, in a month's time so um, that's something to cling to right
0: uh we'll take it uh, it is brighton and carrow road uh, on saturday 12 30 p.m kickoff it's live on bt sport um uh tom you didn't let off any flares on the bt sport wall on wednesday or anything <laughs> like that did you smoke bombs uh,
1: i didn't I, I i had to rage quit from the whatsapp group that they make make you join um i'm afraid i didn't i didn't actually last in the whatsapp group for the whole oh, wow. game uh,
0: what what, what um, minute I, was it sort of 28 or
1: oh no 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 62 or something um, <laughs> no, I, it, it, uh, I after being uh I, I after being told to kiss the badge by a director um i found which i did not do uh it all felt a little bit i mean they're doing their it's best the of course they are um but why didn't uh, you kiss oh, the badge I'm, I'm not, i don't i don't do what i'm told michael <laughs> but it's it's, the, it's the fake it's 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 fake fun it's organised fun it's just like you know i i put the scarf up and i put ruben's ruben's shirt up and um and you know they were down by the hour, mark um and, you know it's <laughs> It's, it's because basically they want to capture reactions they want us to cheer and as soon as it became clear that we weren't going to be cheering for anything um, what was the point of that no it be, be like having them having them say go on kiss the badge you know show show how excited you are it's like well no i, I i'm not at carrow road i'm not and you know, i'm not at the emirates it's not i haven't had my pre-match ritual routine i can't i can't kind of create I can't create an atmosphere on my own in my in my den <laughs> like, you know what I mean I, w- I wouldn't be kissing the badge if I was just sat at home watching it on the telly I'm not you know I'm not a <laughs> lunatic
0: It's the first time we get to see it on on tv well look um you know football's all about the stories and Tom, I loved that story just then so thank you um, and I think we're going to wrap this up now um, that is it for this edition of On The Ball uh, we hope you enjoyed it at least a little bit more than the actual football and if you did uh, please tell your friends, family and fellow Norwich supporters you can get them to kiss the badge if you want when you tell them uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us ask any questions or propose a topic to cover just sling me a tweet or direct message on Twitter at Michael J Bailey uh, in the meantime it is a huge thank you to Tom thanks for joining us Tom really appreciate it my pleasure And thanks, Steve, as always. Always a pleasure, Michael. Thank you. Uh, And thanks to the Wi-Fi, which held out remarkably well because we've already tried to record this once. Uh, And, of course, uh, thanks to you all out there for listening and getting involved. We do appreciate it so much. We will return after Saturday's latest fun-filled Premier League fixture with another edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, have a very good day.